0: Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. I'm Ali Jafar. I'm joined by my friend, James Woodard, all the way across the country. Say hi, James. Hi, James. We already did this bit, but <laughs> it didn't record, so we're doing it again. Uh, another thing that we already did was I said the theme of today's episode is sci-fi horror. Yes. And games that have almost the same name. Yes. We're talking about Observer and
1: Observation. Uh, Both great games. We don't get to shit all over a game this week. (laughs) Even though it was a lot of fun last time. Yeah, I had a great time. Maybe we should only do bad games from now on.
0: Yeah, new theme for the podcast. Terrible games. (laughs) Uh, Next episode, Ill Bleed. (laughs) Oh, God. I take it back. I take it back. (laughs) Uh, So the thing that I felt that these two games, which are very different, had in common was that they're sci-fi horror. They both, I would say, are very squarely in the horror genre, but I feel like they weren't really marketed or presented
1: that way. Like, I didn't really know
0: either of these games were horror games until
1: I played them. Yeah, Observation really disguises itself as just kind of like a 2001 Space Odyssey type sci-fi game. But then, uh, you know, once it kind of unravels itself a little more, there's definitely something real spooky going on.
0: Yeah. And I think you even said to me where you were like, oh, it takes a minute for the horror aspect to get going. Sure. I kind of felt like it was there from the start, at least a little bit, you know, just in the
1: music and the atmosphere. Well, I played through it twice. Well, almost twice. So, I had to play the beginning for a second time. And there is a lot of foreshadowing going on. And I think you pick up on several things on a repeat playthrough that sort of foreshadow the horror.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take that long to get into it. It starts introducing elements. And then the ending almost feels more like a sci fi thing, you know? But the middle section is just straight horror. There's a lot of dark hallways lit by flashlights and mysterious you know, hoodoo going on.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And well, uh, the other game observer that we're talking about today, I I feel like it was sort of riding on the coattails of uh, layers of fear one, which was like a big hit for a team. Right. So I think it was marketed a little more with the aspect of the kind of like psychedelic horror. That okay. Lear's Fear one had, but it was it was definitely like drenched in that real gritty Blade Runner type environment.
0: Yeah, I guess I was blinded by the Blade Runner <laughs> aspect because it has fucking Rucker Hauer in it and it
1: looks like Blade Runner. For sure. It, it's like even dirtier than Blade Runner. Right. Like I needed to take a shower after Observer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, before we get started, huge shout out to uh, Benjamin, our first patron on Patreon homies basically hooking us up with almost the entire cost of our hosting for our podcast. So huge shout out to you and keep listening. If you want to get some more details on how you can uh, sign up for Patreon and we're going to like do nice things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's pretty bare bones
0: right now. It's just, you can choose to support us, but we have a lot of ideas for extra content and stuff in the future. Yeah, We just need to have more people giving us support.
1: And feedback, like let yeah. us know because we're super new to this. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe some off topic conversations or things like that. Yeah,
0: we, we we got ideas. There's some cool shit that could come your way if
1: you so <laughs> choose. Anyways, uh, also um, I had some feedback on the internet about people wanting to know what we play before we put the episodes out. So I think we're going to kind of do like sort of a game club thing. Yeah, a so, club
0: for games.
1: Yeah. So if you want to know what's cooking up next, just hang out till the end of the episodes and we'll talk about it there.
0: Yeah, and we're going to try that out for a while, maybe forever, uh, telling you what we're <laughs> going to play next and what's coming up. And we're trying to be you know, at least one, maybe two episodes ahead so you have time to play the games before you jump in. I mean, we're still going to structure it, so we put in spoiler alerts and all that kind of stuff, but I do think that most of our discussions, if not all of our discussions, are better if you've already experienced the game. For sure.
1: Yeah, and um, the best way to just interact with us is through Facebook or Instagram. Just let us know. What, uh, like We're looking for feedback. so
0: Yeah, and we've already gotten some cool episode suggestions of stuff that we're going to do or that I'm investigating, like... We had someone tell us to check out Pathologic, and now I have, and I'm kind of a little bit low-key obsessed
1: with it. It's really weird, and I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, but, I got it on GOG2, yeah. so.
0: It was a dollar. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it just, just let us know, guys. We're interested, so.
0: Yeah. And like, yeah, we have, you know, lists of games and stuff that we want to do and check out, but we're also just two people, so the more people we have giving us recommendations and stuff to check out, the better the show is going to be for sure. Cool. So, yeah, the first game we're talking about is Observer, a 2017 release from Bloober Team, our favorite developer. <laughs> uh,
1: this is our third Bloober Team game we're covering. The- We've covered all of them. It's crazy. And then you told me they're putting out a Blair Witch soon too. So we might yeah. we might have to check that out. The news
0: just came down the pipe that uh Bloober Team is doing a Blair Witch Video game that's going to be out in August, which is really
1: soon. Yeah, pray for them. (laughs) Pray for us, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if it's going to be awful, like uh, that might be a really funny episode. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, that's true. Uh, But Observer, which was their second game and their follow-up to Layers of Fear, Mm -hmm. is a really good game.
1: Super good. You may have already heard us say this several times during our previous episode where we shit all over layers of fear too, but yeah, first impressions observer is super good. Super interesting game, uh, sci-fi thriller starring Rutger Hauer. Like, I mean, what kind of pedigree is that? Right.
0: (laughs) It's pretty nuts. And like, he's not just the main character, but he has really most of the dialogue in the
1: game. Yes, totally. It's hard to separate the observer from the Rutger. (laughs) yeah and it's cool i liked it
0: in terms of just sort of immersing you in the world and just kind of giving you immediately a feel for what you're jumping into Mm -hmm. like obviously it's heavily inspired by blade runner but it's like we got the guy check it out (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) totally um and it it kind of just throws you into like the cyberpunk deep end you start sitting in this like really futuristic car but it's like 80s futuristic with like digital readouts and a little crt in the center console definitely some wood paneling knobs everywhere i want my dystopian future to have a bunch of knobs oh yeah i feel like we're losing knobs with all these touch screens i don't like it no yeah exactly (laughs) give me the 80s knob dude for sure. Multicolored PV knobs on everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so the game just kind of throws you into the scenario. You're sitting in your car. Well, there is a Blade Runner style text scroll at the beginning. <laughs> Super Blade Runner. I, I think they even took the
1: font from Blade Runner.
0: They totally did. And I have to say that it's actually probably more confusing than it is helpful. <laughs> where it's like, there was a disease, it happened. Now you gotta look at things, because you're <laughs> the Observer.
1: And I got the end of it, and I was like, wait, what? It was pretty confusing, and the, the whole nanophage disease thing was sort of confusing throughout the whole game, so I will get into that, though.
0: Yeah, but it's, you know, it's actually a cool intro, because you're confused, and then you just are in a car, and you hear Ruckerhauer's voice, but he's really old. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, I was totally concerned for his safety through like the whole game because he sounds like he's on Death's door,
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure, but <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a it's like a patented bluer team move where it's like we don't tell you shit, go. But I think it actually in this game, it works really, really well, yeah, totally. So the setup is that you are Daniel Lazarski. Uh, who is an observer, mm-hmm. which is a detective with implants. So he can scan things and he can jack into people's implants. And basically, he kind of works for the big dystopian corporation that rules the world.
1: Yeah. Chiron is basically future fascist Amazon. Yeah.
0: S- Skynet Plus.
1: Right. Uh, they, they basically like instigated like a world war. And essentially, they rule whatever was left over after that. And right. so, you know, like total like societal dystopia kind of stuff, there's like tiered classes of people, like class mm. A, B, and C. And yeah. um, observers kind of deal with the lower class society people.
0: So he's in his car, and he mysteriously gets a message from his son, his estranged son. Right. And... Basically, he heads over to investigate this apartment building.
1: So going into the game blind, you don't realize that the entire game is essentially going to happen at the apartment building. Right. But as the game unravels, you realize that one, that, you know, that's like the entirety of the scope of the game. But two, like this apartment building is sort of a living, breathing thing. It's really interesting. I think it's based on a real uh, Derelict department building in Poland.
0: Nice. Yeah. yeah, the game is set in future Krakow, Poland, which I thought was cool. I think it's one of the keys to the success of the game that it has some grounding and that Blooper Team is kind of working with what they know and not trying to make a fictional cruise ship. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, like I think you mentioned it earlier. It's it's very dark, gritty world and. Yes the realism really, really works into it. Like you can feel that this could be a real
1: place and it really immerses you in it. And it's just so filthy. Like you feel like you need to like wash your hands after playing the game. It's just, um, and so I don't know, I guess it's a good time to talk about this, what the game does aesthetically. Mm -hmm. This apartment building is like really gross. All the material is very aged, There's, like, filth Mm. all over the floor, and there's, like, wet spots everywhere. Like, you really, like, you could, like, almost feel the humidity in the air. You know, the atmosphere is killer. Bloober team is great at that. But then... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but then in the dystopic future, since everybody has all these implants, you see a sort of, like, augmented reality facade over everything. Mm. So you see, like, the building's blueprint layout around everything like the frame of the building you can see and you could see like a power internet wires running through the walls and then the doors have numbers even though they don't have numbers like in real life you see it in the AR super mm-hmm. interesting how like every like the whole world has this like digital overlay over all the filth you know right it's really cool effect
0: yeah it's super cool and It's something we actually mentioned in the last episode when we were talking about this game in relation to Layers of Fear 2, but the game basically lays out its themes right away just through the aesthetics and the gameplay, Mm -hmm. which is that humanity has effectively been melded with machinery, and philosophically, it's kind of unclear who or what is human anymore, and... Yeah, just the game itself, like all the time you're seeing this kind of glitching and overlay over everything you see, but you also have different forms of vision you can use to scan things in different ways. And when you engage those scanners, it changes how everything looks really, really dramatically. And so by the time you're into the swing of the game, you just don't even really know what anything looks like anymore. It's very... yes disconcerting it makes you feel like you're outside of whatever your own body or the character's body
1: right and one of i think the only other living human that you meet in the game is like this property manager guy right and um he's he's a veteran of a war and he's all fucked up and uh like half his face and his arm are all like this like outdated like plastic prosthetic and um i know when he talks to you he has like glitchy freakouts and stuff it's really off-putting
0: Right, he's essentially a robot. Like he's more machine than human, and even down to his speech and mannerisms. Like he said, yeah. So it's really cool. Like, and yeah, uh, the main character calls him Tin Man. Yeah, but you have to imagine it in that uh, Rucker Hauer voice. Right. Tin Man. <laughs> Here's a side note. I think Rucker Hauer is doing an accent in this game.
1: <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just concerned. <laughs> <laughs> he like he has. Uh, he doesn't really
0: have an accent but he is Dutch and like yeah. he, he's from there and all of his first movies are like not in English and I think he's doing like a weird sort of Polish accent in this game which is contributing to the weird yeah. the weirdness
1: he's always had a weird way of speaking too. like if you've ever seen like the Hitcher yeah yeah I don't know <laughs> I'm just concerned that, can somebody go check on Rutger <laughs>
0: well that's what i said actually after this he was in a season of channel Zero.
1: Oh, that's right
0: and he looks and sounds really good in yeah. that show so i'm not too worried
1: and he did hobo with a shotgun i guess that was a while ago now though
0: yeah i yeah. mean that season of channel zero he's in is awesome though and he's yeah you check that awesome
1: out. i liked season one i never saw anything else though
0: oh they're all i would say better but at least really good good yeah Cool. It's a really, really good series. Highly recommend. Faux (laughs) show.
1: Oh, yeah. The gameplay you started talking about how there's like overlays, and that's how you sort of do detective stuff. Um, There's one where you can scan bio, so like you can see like blood on the floor or, you know, whatever. And then the other one scans for uh, mechanical things. Right, So you can see maybe like a switch in the wall or, you know, even implants, you can scan people's implants and stuff.
0: Right. And the actual gameplay in this is essentially like an old adventure game. Yeah. Except yeah. Instead of pointing and clicking or click hunting like you would in those old games, you're just scanning with different scanners and trying to find clues. And the game usually contains you within a crime scene type area. Yeah, and
1: you're not going to leave an apartment until you kind of solve it. So you're you're definitely like containing these little areas, which
0: helps. Yeah, I actually really like the structure of the game. You know, we talked about this a little bit before, but I think that with the other Blue Routine games, the Layers of Fear games, the lack of structure hurts it. And I think in this game, they found a really cool way to contain things within areas. So, yeah, it's like, okay, we're going to have you solve this little adventure game style puzzle. So we're going to lock you in this apartment and you have to find all the clues and put it together and then you can leave. I feel like
1: Layers of Fear might be overstructured. Because they want to make sure you're you're facing the spook scare at the right time so you don't miss the spook scare, you know what I mean? Which I like never was, side <laughs> right. note.
0: I was always like staring at a corner and then yeah. I just heard like Kachunk and I'd turn around and was like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. I felt like such a dork. I was like always looking in the wrong direction. <laughs> Hilarious. Um but yeah, and so that's a big part of the game, are these adventure game style? Click yes. em ups. And, <laughs> uh, <click 'em> up and section click
1: this game reminded me a lot of the old uh, Tex Murphy games oh yeah uh, under killing moon because mm-hmm. you would walk around in first person look up look down and sort of find items to scan until investigate so it reminded me a lot of that under the killing moon was like one of the first like really immersive things 3D first-person games that would make me think of something like this because, yeah, just just like looking around an apartment for clues in first-person. This game is like super, I don't know, it it just really brings me back to playing that as a kid.
0: Well, and I think this game has a ton of throwbacks to 90s adventure games and... 90s horror adventure games. Um, I think there's a lot of aesthetic throwbacks. The whole like Blade Runner influence just strikes me as a thing, a very like nineties adventure game thing, like Beneath the Steel Sky, for example, mm-hmm. um, had that. But there's also as you go on in the game, there's these sections that have that kind of pixelated photo uh look to them. Yeah. Like you'll see TVs and monitors that have pixelated just photos of people, which is I mean, Tex Murphy had that kind of look Totally, and, um, you know, Harvester has that look. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, what's the one, the, the Geiger Phantasmagoria. Yeah. Like a ton yeah. of those games have that look and For that sure. isn't the look of this game. Obviously it's like a good looking 3d game, but yeah. it has those nods to it
1: all over the place that it, it was like early multimedia video gaming. Right. It was selling computers with CD-ROM drives, you know? Yeah. Even the basic aesthetic
0: of the game reminds me of a nineties adventure game because it's dirty, dilapidated kind of like cyberpunk type thing, but it's also really like oversaturated with color, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And like, it's got that almost cartoony look to it at times.
1: Yeah. And moving forward, uh, another part of the gameplay is that uh, is interacting with the tenants of the apartment. Mm-hmm. You never really directly interact with anybody. You always talk to them through their like video doorbells. Mm-hmm. And that is a super 90s PC adventure game.
0: Yeah, and the images that pop up on the little LCD screen uh-huh. is just like an eye, but it's like a low frame rate gif (laughs) like an eye looking around it's so 90s adventure game
1: pre gif low frame rate 90s multimedia animation
0: yeah it really blew me away with just how much like that it was i was like wow okay this combined with those the gameplay of those sections really makes me think that this is a big homage to 90s adventure games
1: yeah love it super nostalgic
0: Oh, yeah. No, I I felt great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then I guess, you know, the last big part of the gameplay that we haven't talked about is the uh, is jacking into people's minds and memories. Right. So when Lazarski finds, like, a dead body, he can use this thing. It has kind of a stupid name. It's called the Dream Eater. <laughs> but he, like, <laughs> he jacks into their, like, cerebral implant. And he can sort of relive not just the last moments of their life but like important parts of their life too towards the end right yeah so you'll you'll kind of in a weird abstract way like jump through somebody's memories chronologically um through mm-hmm. like this real like glitched out nightmare scenario which is pretty pretty reminiscent of layers of fear one's like best moments
0: yeah Totally. I but it's like a digital remix.
1: Were... Like it's like an Aphex twin remix.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. I really love these parts in this game because yeah, they use that digital glitchy aesthetic to make everything really fucked up and creepy, mm-hmm. but they take the basic idea, like you said, from layers of fear where it's like a disjointed mishmash nightmare of memories and events that happened. And it just mixes it all together and it's got a really dark, creepy aesthetic to these sections. Yeah. They're really, really fucking creepy and really scary. And the, the sad design cool. is
1: fucking insane too.
0: Super insane. There's yeah. so much screaming. You have to play it in headphones. Otherwise people are going to think you're dismembering someone. <laughs> um, and like, I love that in and of itself, but I love how it's structured in the game. So it's like these sections can be really, really intense because they're, just a relatively short section. Yeah. You know, and that was my problem with the layers of fear games. As I said in the last episode where it's like, it just goes on too long. And the fact that they're trying to sustain that kind of nightmare over the course of a whole game, they just lose steam.
1: Yeah. It just becomes like tiresome and pretty silly. Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And in this game it's not, and I think
1: it's really well done. Super effective, super creepy.
0: And it's it's cool because it also tells these little mini stories, which I think is the strength of the game, because it's Mm -hmm. like you're just this guy who sounds like he's dying, (laughs) (laughs) wandering through an apartment building, solving mysteries. But there's all these little mini stories and mini episodes. So it's like Mm -hmm. your conversation with the, the robotic door guy is one little story. And then. Finding this dead person and jacking into them and finding out what happened to them is another mini story. And as the game goes on, all these little mini stories build up towards advancing the main plot, you know.
1: Yeah. And in this one you're actually rewarded for um exploration. So there are some story things that you can miss if you're not uh fully exploring things. Like there's a side story with um a little girl, an older woman. Where I think the little girl gets really sick and her body dies, but they like upload her consciousness into the older woman You could totally right. miss all that if you're not paying attention.
0: Yeah, and there's
1: collectibles There's yeah side stories. There's a mini game a really fun mini game with spiders and fire. Oh, yeah <laughs> Dude, I love
0: that shit. Uh night in the woods had a little like sort of dungeon crawler minigame like that, too That was really fun totally Yeah. And the game also, it gives you sections that are pretty obvious where it opens up and you can do some of the side stuff and just kind of explore at your own pace, which is also a really nice change from, you know, the Layers of Fear games.
1: Yeah. So exploring around this apartment like I guess if you want to like break the game up into stages it would be like you know you explore the first floor and then you go to the second floor some crazy shit happens you end up in the attic and then you end up in the sewer or like no you go to a tattoo parlor across the street so there's a lot of story progression going around in this like little self-contained place but it never feels like really limited but it also just feels like a movie because it all happens in one night
0: yeah no I I totally agree I never felt hemmed in like when you sort of realize maybe i don't know 20 30 percent through the game that it's all going to take place in the apartment building it's not like oh you know it's like you're (laughs) you're down
1: it would be really cool if it was cyberpunk 2077 but it's not (laughs) (laughs) dude you're so fucking ready for that shit dude i'm so ready for it i mean one day we'll get into your disdain for the witcher 3 but um, I fucking love that shit and Witcher 3 is bay. and so like Witcher 3 in the future just excites me to no end
0: yeah for sure
1: (laughs) (laughs) anyways wait
0: hold on hold on breaking news breaking news on this topic Monica just texted me apparently the new Cyberpunk 2077 trailer features Keanu Reeves fuck wait really yeah so actually now I'm excited for this game she's trolling me no, it's, it's from She's Bloody just on that Discovery. John Wick thing right now Dude I am also on the John Wick thing We are on the John Wick journey together We watched all of the movies in a 24 hour period They're my new favorite movies Keanu Reeves has always been my favorite actor Since I was a kid except for the brief period Where Arnold Schwarzenegger was my favorite actor This, this is a it's, the life, it's a lifelong
1: thing it is, is John Wick actually dope? What dude? Yes I, 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 what? I So here's the thing dude I insulate myself from like Pop garbage, so like uh-huh. I was like, oh, it's like a shooty movie, and like I, I'm, I, I don't know anything about it. Maybe a dog dies, which I'm like super not down with. Okay, <laughs> let me walk you through this quick. I'll make it <laughs> quick
0: for both of our sakes. Okay, so Keanu Reeves is the fucking best. Here's why Keanu Reeves is the fucking best. <laughs> it's because he's cool, and the reason that he's cool is that he's a nerd, and he just likes nerdy shit. So he's in the sci-fi he's in the sci-fi he's in the cool action movies he's in the action sci-fi movies like he just likes the shit that uh, you know people like us like okay. anyway so when he does something it's probably pretty fucking cool like he's in Scanner Darkly and that was a movie that he basically forced to happen you know like he's in uh, that one movie uh, uh, Hellblazer not Hellblazer Constantine um, oh yeah that movie's fucking dope and it's like all these weird movies he's in like Matrix I mean he funded part of them and he basically like made them happen. So hmm. when he does something like John Wick and he's super into it it's like it's probably pretty cool and yeah, they're amazing. They're like perfect <laughs> action movies. They're like a modern take on the crazy over-the-top Chinese action movies from the 90s. Oh that's is cool. how I would describe. It. Yeah, but with the body count of like a later death wish movie where it's like oh my god, I think he just committed genocide, like he killed so many fucking people. But it's like super entertaining and you, and all there's three movies so far Yeah, all fucking sick as fuck. Uh also okay the dog dying it happens in the first movie it happens off screen and it's literally the catalyst for the entire movie and at one point he gives a speech about why he murdered a bunch of people over a dog and it's fucking incredible
1: okay I, I hear the excitement in your voice I, I don't think I've ever heard you this excited yes listen to my words <laughs> I listen to you. my
0: words James I'll
1: go rent it from Blockbuster
0: <laughs> uh yeah i quote unquote rented it from a quote unquote illegal streaming website <laughs> <laughs> and then i quote unquote illegally watched uh the first two and then i went to the theater and saw the third one but, can,
1: can, can you dub it on tape for me
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes we're also starting a tape dubbing club so yes we're gonna start sending each other tapes.
1: That's what the Patreon's for. It's just a front for our tape dubbing club.
0: Yeah, please give us money so we can mail each other tapes back and forth. It's <laughs> gonna really help our friendship. Totally, totally. Uh, if you guys pay enough money, we'll be best friends for life.
1: <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Forever. Jean um, What? What were you even talking about? <laughs> I oh, got yeah, so whatever. fired
0: up about Keanu. I don't. Yeah, know.
1: I know. Damn. Ah, I mean, I like Bill and Ted, too, but damn. No, man, it's on a
0: whole other level. It's been a lifelong thing of my Keanu Reeves obsession. (laughs) Anyway, uh, well, we were talking about the kind of psychedelic elements of this game and how they're better than layers of fear. Um, Yes, totally.
1: uh, I don't know. I guess there's a couple runny Heidi parts, which I weren't in love with. But also, it's better than the runny Heidi parts in Layer Sphere 2.
0: <laughs> well, okay, let's not make that comparison because that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I will say, you know, fair dues. There's a couple things in this game that I didn't love. One of them, yeah, there are stealth sections, they're pretty shitty. Yeah. I don't think the the audio is good enough. Like, you're kind of, I got the feeling that you're supposed to be listening to where. The audio is coming from so you can sort of hide you're hiding from a monster and it doesn't really work but mm-hmm. they're really short and they're mostly yeah. pretty easy like you die you get reset a second back and you just do it again i mean right it's not like layers of fear 2 where they're actually pretty hard and you have to hit the spots exactly
1: <laughs> yeah it's so stupid yeah it's much better you just power through it and then you're done
0: I would say it's even better than some of the hiding sections and, like, the hide up games that we covered, like, Outlast and stuff. Because really? You're, well, there's just some parts of those games get really annoying because it's clearly RNG where it's, like, right. hide in the locker, pray yeah. that it doesn't decide that he looks in the locker.
1: Yeah, this and there's, just, like, there's only know. one of these guys, so.
0: Yeah, I think it's literally three sections, right? Like, two or three yeah. sections? Yeah, three, I think. Yeah. So it, it wasn't a huge deal. It was just like this is dumb. Yeah, but <laughs> Could have the other about thing, it. yeah, the other thing I will say is that I think that some of the crime scene investigation parts, as much as I liked them, they were like a little clunky. Where like you can miss stuff accidentally, or you can kind of like skip through it, or you can get stuck because you just weren't scanning something right. And you're just sort of juggling scanners and looking at stuff. And it's not it's not terrible, but there were one or two of those where I was like, this maybe could have been a little slicker, but I get it. It's like, it's a game. You're supposed to be <laughs> solving the puzzle and playing the game. And I'm like, show me the movie of Rucker Hauer.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, that's the modern analog to the uh, pixel hunting. Yeah, for sure. and. <laughs>
0: It's it's actually pretty good. I mean for if you're going to make a game that's trying to do that yeah, the pixel hunting, but it's with a controller in a first person view. I would say giving you different scanners is actually a pretty slick way to do that. Totally. The controls are good. <laughs> I referenced this in the last episode, but like going from Layers of Fear 1 where you're hitting yourself in the face with doors and like <laughs> closing drawers when you're trying to open them. The yeah. controls are really good in this game. They're sticky. They're nice. Like you feel it when you open a door and that kind of shit, but they don't belabor it, you know? Yeah.
1: And uh, I don't think I ever thought of them through the, uh, through the entire playthrough. So I think, you know, that's, that's a positive friend.
0: Right? Yeah. I thought of it just cause like when I opened the first door, I didn't hit myself in the face with it. And I was like, Oh, <laughs>
1: fucking a rock on <laughs> heavy metal. Yeah. It's crazy how many like back pedals they made with these games.
0: Yeah, it's it's really unbelievable. Like, I don't I don't know. Like, maybe they're just a really big company that has a bunch of different teams. And I don't know.
1: I think they made it with 40 people or something like that.
0: Yeah, but maybe there's just like two two teams, you know, (laughs) they don't talk (laughs) to each other. No, there's like the observer team. And then there's like the the layers of fear team. And those guys just do acid in a closet and like just fucking (laughs) jerk each other off all day
1: jesus (laughs) well maybe hopefully the observer team is the one that made blair witch and we actually have a good game to play soon
0: yeah i mean it's it's time for a blair witch game after all the obviously blair witch inspired games that we've played even just for this podcast (laughs) yeah
1: i think there were a couple like back in the day i think they're all awful but i never played any of them
0: Oh, you know, I think there's like a PS1 game that's based off the sequel. Yeah,
1: I think there was like a Book Shadows game or something.
0: Yeah, or maybe it's on the Dreamcast. It's like a really generic survival horror game.
1: Love it. Yeah,
0: it's kind of like there's a game based on The Ring also for the Dreamcast. Oh, yeah? That's just like it's a 100% just a generic late 90s survival horror game. It's really bad. Perfect. Dreamcast actually had a uh, had a had a great library of generic late '90s style survival <laughs> horror games.
1: And for being as much of a Sega kid as I was growing up, like we had a Master System instead of a Nintendo, I never Damn. really used a Dreamcast. Oh, the Dreamcast was great. Well, mo- uh, most of the games got ports though, so like I feel like going back now, you're not going to miss a ton. You are right. It was very much
0: a time and a place thing. Yeah. Like at that time it was so cool cuz it had all these games, but yeah, after a few years, I mean, there's a handful of exclusives that mm-hmm. never got ported. Like I don't think Power Stone ever got ported mm. or, you know, there there there's a few, but for the most part, yeah, you're not you're not missing a ton. Machin x that never got ported that's a cool game hmm i don't know i was big into the dreamcast <laughs> dude did you see that uh genesis mini
1: shit yeah but i just bought one of those like analog oh, Sega sg okay. things so i'm like yeah you don't, I don't have a need for it yeah that's yeah got, that's like the end all be all
0: yeah i'm pretty hyped up because the games list is is ridiculous yeah
1: it's got over 40 games and it's got like some heavy hitters so
0: yeah it's all good. It's got a couple of games that were, are either really rare, PAL only, or both, which is mm. really, really cool. Like, it's got Wily Wars. It's yeah. got Castlevania Bloodlines. Um,
1: Bloodlines is dope. I have the original cart, complete and box, but that's, like, shit. the second best 16-bit Castlevania after Rondo of Blood. So, like, super mm-hmm. underrated game. You think it's better than uh, Castlevania Four? Totally. Wow. Castlevania 4 is green blood. Get that shit out of here. <laughs> fucking Nintendo.
0: But it's got Mode 7.
1: Alright, so Mode 7's fucking bullshit. <laughs> uh, hot okay. take, Super Nintendo Mario Kart is trash. Whoa. Yeah, dude. Damn. I fucking went and did it. Mario Kart 64 was where Mario Kart got good. Can I, I'll, I'll have a hotter take. I don't even like Mario Kart. <laughs> dude. Do you just not Do you not have like joy in your heart Uh, It's a distinct Possibility that I don't Yeah
0: (laughs) You've talked to me enough (laughs) That you should know
1: this might be true I I, I told you that I got like back into gaming Because of Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U Which is like (laughs) I'm like the only person on the planet that happened Dude Mario Kart 8 is like joy Injected into your veins Yeah totally I'm sorry you can't experience that
0: yeah it's not <laughs> that i dislike it it's i sort of just like don't get it like i'll, I'll play it and i i just sort of don't get it <laughs> it's it's fun like i'll have fun playing it if i'm playing it with other people and i'm just kind of doing the thing but it's i don't know it's i just sort of don't understand i get every you know i get everything else like i get even like a game that i a game series i actively dislike like mario party um <sighs> I have played a lot of, and I get it. Like, it's like this is cool. I like the first one. I get the appeal, but I'm like, good, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah see, I just I don't get Mario Party. Sure. But I totally fucking get Mario Kart. Like, Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah. It's like I get it, but it just sort of doesn't doesn't really do it for me.
1: I feel like Mario Kart should replace baseball as the national pastime.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'd be done with that. I definitely like Mario Kart more than baseball. so... <laughs> Never understood baseball. No. You know, but...
1: It's a great way to get heat stroke.
0: Yeah, for sure. Drinking in the sun. Yeah. Eating a a dog. (laughs) Chili dog. Yeah, dude. Good way
1: to die. No, that's like the worst way to die. Playing baseball. On your gravestone. He died doing what he hated.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He died trying to get close to his girlfriend's dad. Ugh. Right? Is that why people go to baseball games, or their own dad? I don't know. I don't. This is all but sp- pure speculation. I don't know anything about.
1: <laughs> why do people play baseball? It, it all has to do with their dads.
0: It's all dad stuff. Yeah. Well, and it's like guys who are just like in really bad shape who want to say they're athletes, right?
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, baseball is like dad as fuck, dude. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just guessing here. But, yeah. Uh, Not for me. Yeah, no. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to the Zero Brightness podcast. If you want to support us the most direct ways are at our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also give us a rating on the service of your choice. I know Apple's super into that. And when you leave a rating, you can also leave us a suggestion for a future episode topic. You can also follow us on Facebook as well as Instagram. We're at Zero Brightness Pod. You can also shoot us an email with thoughts, comments, comments whatever at zero brightness podcast at gmail.com. It's been really cool interacting with people and sharing thoughts on Facebook and Reddit. So hoping to hear from you guys more directly in the future. Okay. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Anyway, what the fuck were we talking about?
1: (laughs) Oh, so yeah. So you're like, you're doing these like, uh, investigations in this apartment. And uh, you find, like, a dead headless body in your son's apartment. Mm -hmm. So you start kind of, like, figuring out what to do. Turns out that he's working with a girl to extract data from that company, Chiron. Uh, She works at Chiron. Mm -hmm. So, you know, long, twisty narrative. Yeah, you find this dead girl. She works at Chiron. There's a trail of dead bodies leading to uh, basically, like, a serial killer. And... There, there's parts where it's kind of like hinting that he's like kind of stalking you but you never really see him you just hear stuff right and you finally get like attacked in the attic and he I think he like knocks you like all the way into the basement or something Yes. and you wake up and the killer's dead next to you so you never even like get to interact with it in any way it just right happens to be like some like weird story happenstance right And he's some, like, super highly, like, modded out, like, killer guy with, like, wolverine arms or something.
0: (laughs) He's like a wolf person. It's really weird. It's very strange, but you then jack into his brain implant, and that's actually a really cool part of the game, Mm -hmm. because it's another cool moment that sort of expounds upon the themes of the game where you start sort of reliving his childhood and then his adulthood as this weird genetic freak, but you also start to conflate it with your own details of your own life. So the main character is estranged from his son. Yeah, You start to get some backstory on that. He's kind of a shitty dad. Um, His wife and the mother of this kid is out of the picture, once again you get more details on that and it's really cool I thought and I think it works really well in that Layers of Fear storytelling style where it's going to be a psychedelic mixed up jumble you know it's not going to be very straightforward so I think they actually manage those elements really well and do something cool especially with that little segment.
1: Yeah it totally works here and it totally didn't work in Layers of Fear 2
0: yeah they
1: just fucked it up so bad somehow Right, back to the For drawing sure. board, boys. <laughs>
0: yeah, don't do that with the player witch game. Yeah. Uh,
1: so, anyways, you find uh, in the basement. I believe that's the point where um, it's kind of the layer of this killer. I might be jumping ahead a bit, but you, you find your son's like disembodied head. Yeah. In the <laughs> killer's lair, and so like the main character like starts to like freak the fuck out, you know, as he should. But then he hears the disembodied voice of his son like through his like bio implants, which is really weird. Right. And his son tells him not to jack into the head. And so at this point you're you basically like figuring out that his son is kind of like a digital upload, you know, into the uh into the cloud, the world internet. Yeah,
0: and he's maybe an
1: asshole too. <laughs> totally.
0: Cuz he told you to skip a cool part of the game cuz like, you know, <laughs> Fuck you, man. I'm gonna jack into this with dead werewolf guy a hundred percent. Don't tell me what to do. Totally. Totally. I would've. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean after that I guess we're sort of getting into the end game. Um, yeah. So that's a warning for the listener.
1: Sure. We probably should have thrown that in like a couple minutes earlier. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, you stuck in here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: But so after that, it's basically you trying to figure out where your son is and what is going on. Um, You've already sort of unraveled that there's a conspiracy theory involving this mega corporation stealing information from them and this like tattoo shop where they do illegal modifications to people that's on the roof of this apartment building. Yeah. Um, and so you're sort of putting the pieces together of this weird conspiracy, which is how you get to the end game, um, which now I'm trying to remember exactly how you get <laughs> well, there. So,
1: yeah, uh, the disembodied voice of your beheaded son um, tells, tells you to go to this place called Sanctuary. Which is sort of that's like it. a uh, like a VR salon. Right. So I guess that's where his consciousness was uploaded to. And so uh, you head over there and uh, jack in and that's kind of like, you know, the big, the big climax of the game. You're like talking to your son. He looks like the Wizard of Oz, like a big head in the sky kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Very like System Shock to cover art vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Totally, like if you if you look up the the cover art to System Shock Two, it's like a head connected to a bunch of green nodes, and then that's just what his son is. Yeah, in the in the VR scape.
1: (laughs) So you're basically left with the moral conundrum, uh, because like your son's been saying some like shady shit to you, so you're you're (laughs) not really sure whether to like trust him or not. Right, but essentially, um, Chiron's pretty close into like hacking his consciousness and erasing it so you can either like choose to let him like take over your consciousness or you can refuse and that's how you get the two endings of the game and they're both quote-unquote bad endings yeah because bad shit's gonna happen either way but they're both really fucking good
0: yeah and i said this last time that i didn't like how layers of fear 2 handled multiple endings yeah which is the way that a lot of games do it, where it's like, make a choice. The choice decides what ending you get. Or you make choices throughout the game, and they yeah. decide what end you get. Whereas, well, this game is cool because there's one really obvious choice. And you got two endings that are technically different, but <laughs> they're basically the same. You could make an argument that they're the same. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's really cool. They both essentially put a pin in... The discussion that the game has been having with you, which is what is a human? What does it mean to be alive? And that one choice that you do make leading to the endings is actually cool because you have a pretty decent length philosophical conversation with your son's disembodied system shock VR matrix head. Yes. <laughs> and throughout the <laughs> throughout the conversation, it actually in a very compelling way like lays out the different arguments for are you still my son? are you still alive? And should I let you take over my cool Rutger (laughs) Hauer body? And, and then the game's like, okay, what are you going to do? And I actually really love that part of the game because it took me out of the game in a cool way. Cause like, Hmm. usually when I'm playing a video game, I'm trying to kind of think about what's under the hood and, and game the system and like, okay, what do they want me to do? Or what are they trying to get me to do? But in that one, I actually started thinking about like, Oh, what do I actually think about these questions? And in the end, I was like, nah, man, fuck you. I'm not letting you take (laughs) over my body. You can go to hell. And I thought that was such a cool little moment. And it's not a fourth wall break or anything like that, but it actually does end up getting inside you, the player's head, in a really cool way that I enjoyed. Yeah.
1: I, I, I mean, I wasn't expecting either ending. And they're both pretty fucking dark, so I enjoyed it a lot. It, it's 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 so interesting seeing them like you know like hit this out of the park, but like fumbling their next game so hard. It's just I, I I hate to keep like making the same comparison, but like it's just yeah. so sh- stark of a difference in quality.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I also feel like this game just is so much more grounded than either the Layers of Fear games. I think. It's one of those works of art where all of the reference points and all of the ways that it pays homage to different older games and preceding works of art actually really, really help it instead of hindering it or, mm. you know, making it feel like just a pastiche of influences. Right. Like, I think it actually gives it a lot of grounding that these guys really need.
1: So, yeah. In well, that I case, mean, like all, I feel like the pastiche and the, um, I don't know, having rutger Hauer star, all that stuff, it was all like great for marketing. But then when it like the rubber hit the road in terms of like just a good narrative, it, it nailed it too. So it's like oh, the best yeah. of both worlds, you know? It's like, oh, it's got Riker Hauer, like, fuck yeah. Like, he was in blind justice, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but then also, it was like a good story.
0: Yeah, and just the whole presentation of the game is super, super cool, like we were talking about earlier. I mean, the fact that you can see this digital overlay over everything, the fact that you have to – we didn't mention this earlier, but there's a light mechanic where every time you jack in, like, when you come out of it, you've desynced from all of your uh, mechanical parts and digital implants, so you have to take these pills in order to resync
1: yourself. Yeah, and it looks like a YouTube video at like 144p for a minute.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it, it's super cool. Like, there's all these environmental things and things in the UI and things in the design of the game that make you think about the themes and the story. So yeah. it's not just like robot detective Chase's son. It's like... Oh, yeah, you have to like maintain his shitty robot body. And then you have to decide what he's going to do with his robot fate.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is that part of the whole nanophage thing? I never really like nailed that down. No clue. So, yeah, the nanophage is like basically like a digital plague that's going through society. And a lot of people like turn into like drug addicts because of it, which, you know, I always kind of just assumed that that was the drug you were dosing yourself with. And so maybe that's why observers have to, like, work with the Class C clientele because they're kind of, like, Class C themselves. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was the one part of the story I thought was really weak just because they introduced it and then just didn't do anything with it. Yeah. So, yeah, you could make this, I guess I sort of made the same logical leap where it's like, it's sort of explaining why you are the way you are there. Well, there is kind of a cool plot point with the main character's backstory where Mm -hmm. his wife basically dies because they decide she doesn't want any implants. And then, and she has like the disease and you need to get implants in order to like coexist with it. But he ends up living because he's in an accident and he doesn't have the agency to choose whether or not he gets implants and so he ends up as this android cyborg drug addict and his wife just ends up dead and I guess that the digital plague nanophage thing is there to set up that whole storyline and then there's some other echoes of that in the main game like you meet one person who you talk to through their people, who's like I don't have any implants and I don't want to get your disease. You freak. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, Ooh, wow. There's a lot of stuff
1: like that. Like little societal things that like, yeah, it really helps with the world building. It's really interesting.
0: Yeah, totally. Android racism.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's even these like little cool children's books. They look like golden books and it's like me and my nanophage or something like that. (laughs) I guess for like kids with the plague. Yeah. It's really cute. Yeah, and then
0: you find more and more copies with different, weird, creepy drawings on it. Yeah, I like that. Oh, yeah, I liked it, too. And, yeah, I mean, this game, it's funny. The more we talk about it, the more I'm realizing there's stuff that we're just not even mentioning. Totally. There's a lot of world building. There's a lot of character building. Mm-hmm. It's a really rich... I mean, we said this about a couple of the games we've covered, but it's the sort of thing where even if you just listen to us lay out the whole plot and you haven't played it, it's so worth playing because you'll find... Uh, different little details and things you can pick up on.
1: Yeah. And it's a game you don't really want to rush. Um, um for sure. Uh take your time with it. I think that's one of the problems with the you know, the layers of fear games have, you just want to run through it. But I think this one yeah. if you like take your time, really explore, like soak up the atmosphere, you're going to have a lot better time with it. Like imagine having to like rush through this game, it would totally suck. Oh, for sure. And I mean, it's not
0: super long. No. Uh what was it like seven hours, probably? Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what I was gonna say. But I played it in, I don't know, like six or seven sittings, maybe more, just because I I was I was enjoying kind of jumping in, playing a little episode of the story, jumping back out. Um, yeah, it's it's really really good. Yeah, it's great to play over the course of like a week or more. And yeah. Just savor it. And it has those longer open parts, so you could play it for more than I did because you could explore more and check out more. You can find all the trading cards of the developers. It's kind of cute.
1: Oh, yeah, it's like their little mug shots. They look like 10 yeah. types or something. Those are cool. <laughs> yeah. And then sure. the little spider game is cool as fuck, too. So
0: Yeah. See, even just talking about it, I want to play this game again, and I want to <laughs> get really good at the spider game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so take your time on this one, but I think in contrast, I, like, devoured observation. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I beat it in, like, one or two sittings. Well, I almost beat it, then I had to start over. Yeah. But, yeah, essentially you could beat, you could finish observation in, like, two sittings and be, like, totally happy with.
0: Yeah. Observer is definitely a little more of a, a stretched out experience.
1: So... Uh, any final thoughts on Observer before we move on to Observation?
0: It's really good. It's uh, it's scarier than it seems. It's uh, it's fucking cool as shit.
1: Yeah, it'll fuck with you. It's definitely like a cool, you know, like Friday night game or something. Um, makes a great double feature with Observation too. I agree completely. <laughs> cool. So Observation just came out. Yeah, it's by No Code, the same developers as Stories Untold. Which we, you know, both unanimously enjoyed thoroughly. So I was super looking forward to this. And it kind of just popped up. Um, it wasn't really on my radar in development at all.
0: No. So it was me. a nice
1: surprise. It, it takes a ton of cues from Stories Untold, not only aesthetically, uh, because it has a lot of, like, uh, 80s, 90s, retro-futuristic, um, but also in terms of gay play. Um, it has a very, like, job-based gameplay, I think, that Stories Untold does, or, like, routine-based. Yeah. Stories Untold had you, like, look up things in manuals and, you know, look look up the microfilm, etc. That stuff all comes back in this game. Yeah, sure. totally. Uh, and so, you know, observation's the same thing, but it's all on a space station.
0: Right. So the setup for the game is that you are on a space station orbiting Earth. You are playing as the... AI that basically controls the space station Sam Sam,
1: essentially (laughs) hell
0: (laughs) yeah exactly Uh, but uh, the setup for the game is that an incident happens and you and the remaining staff of the space station which is called observation um, wake up to find that you have been transported to the orbit of the planet Saturn yes Which is fucking horrifying, and I feel like everyone is too chill about.
1: (laughs) What a cool reveal, though. Oh, yeah. I I think that probably happens like a quarter of the way into the game. Yeah. So, you know, I want to say just, like, go play this game before you listen to the rest, because you're probably going to, like, ruin it for yourself.
0: Yes, this is correct. Uh, Our discussion of this game is super spoilery. Uh, I don't really know how we would have talked about it without it being spoilery, Um, but we really, really went for it. So if you want to play this game first, I'd say pause the episode here, play the game, come back to it. It's fun. You should play it. Otherwise, you can listen to us talk about it and get a feel for what goes on in the game and the aesthetics and blah, blah, blah. But you are going to know what happens. And now, you have been warned. Yeah, I will say one thing about this game is that everyone is being super coy about, like, what it is and what it's about. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, I was going to play this game regardless because you sent it to me and you're like, dude, No Code made another game. And it's like, well, fuck yeah, I'm going to play it and fuck yeah, we're going to cover it for this show. But mm-hmm. when I was looking then, you know, like people writing blurbs about it or doing reviews i think like i maybe read like a rock paper shotgun review or something and people are just being really coy and even like the the epic store listing for it is just it almost makes it look like it's like uh space station management sim but creepy and it's like (laughs) fuck you that is not what this game is at all it's like event horizon on meth dude like
1: (laughs) well there's no like sex blood death orgies or anything but it definitely has, like, yeah. a tinge of event horizon, yeah.
0: Sure, yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm saying, where it's, like, a lot
1: weirder and a lot crazier. It it downplays the thrills, maybe? Which is, like, the, the opposite of what Bluebird Team does with Layers of Fear. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's definitely got some thrills. You know, the sound design is great, the score is great, so when there's tension, you feel it. I mean, just the whole hook of playing as the AI
0: is super 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 cool because totally. obviously there's a ton of glitch effects there's a ton of great like VCR type artifacting on all your cameras mm-hmm. and like as people can just shut you off you get rebooted like eight times throughout this game yeah. it's very it's very distancing and disorienting playing this game because you re- you have to remember that like you're an AI. So yeah, for the first good chunk of the game, you're only just controlling cameras and then interacting with computers and interfacing with computer systems.
1: Right. So there's a ton of menus. There's a mm-hmm. ton of UI UX. Yep. And there's like uh, light mini game elements like cooked into the UI UX. And so yes. you really feel like all the puzzles are very, like, AI-like. Like, this is what a computer would figure out, you know? Right. That That's also something that Stories Untold did really well in the later right. chapters.
0: But one thing I will say, that I think this game is a huge step up gameplay-wise from Stories Untold. You know, I mean, I think that it does a lot of the same things like we were saying. There's tasks, a lot of tasks where you have to reference a manual and you have to remember how to input a certain visual code or follow instructions I think it's so well designed that it's pretty rare that it feels like a mini game yeah
1: exactly it feels like a task but it's like fun little tasks
0: yeah I was a little scared early on that it was going to get super mini gamey and just feel like a weird like almost like WarioWare but spooky yeah Uh, (laughs) but But it never really feels that way. I think it's super well designed.
1: It is. Uh, whoever, whoever worked on all the UI UX like deserves some recognition. It's, it, it really, they really knock it out of the park.
0: Right. And also there's a lot of moments where the fact that you have to dig through all these menus and you have to manage all this data and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. uh, makes the game really stressful because you're in a stressful situation. You're trying to navigate your way out of it. Yeah. And it's just like, nope, here's another menu. Nope. Here's another <laughs> menu. It almost has sort of like a papers, please feel, too. Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And yeah, it's, it's really well designed. And I never stopped like marveling at how well-designed that was. And especially like there's a couple sections where they are a little more open and you can roam around and actually get lost. Yeah. And even those parts were cool because you just had to pull up your map and pull up your menu and look for clues and find answers. And the game doesn't hold your hand, really.
1: Yeah. It gives you all the answers, but it doesn't point them out.
0: Yeah. And there's even like a, a fair amount of the puzzles. Part of the reason that they didn't feel mini gamey to me was because they just don't set it up or tell you what to do. So you actually just have to figure out how to do inputs and figure out what the puzzle even is supposed to be.
1: Well, there's a lot of cool puzzle solving that ties into the idea of AI. Yeah. She'll give you a task that you would have to use like deductive reasoning on. And since, you know, you're supposed to be playing a computer with AI, you can use like your normal human intuition to solve the puzzles, you know? And I think that they're they're all just playing with this idea of, like, AI being able to, like, think intuitively, you know? Right. So there's this part where you have to figure out a dude's laptop password. And Mm -hmm. it's a PIN number, and it's, like, on the back of his laptop on a Post-it note. Right. And like, so you, at first you're just looking everywhere for like a piece of paper with a password or something. And it ends up being like a post note on his laptop, like something that, like very human. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or
0: there's a couple times where you have to manually link bits of data that you've found. Yeah. Which is another cool like AI idea because it's like, yeah, if you were human and you found three scraps of paper, you'd just tape them together and say, look, it's one thing. But you have to actually manually draw the connection between the different points. And I was like, that's actually really cool. Yeah. You know, once again, another thing that's really cool is that there's like the left trigger is a dedicated button for replying, which is where you pull up an interface and then you can highlight something and then reply. So if someone asks you like, what are this person's vitals? You, Pull up the menu that has their vitals. You click the reply button, and then you move your cursor over the data and press A to send it to them. It's and then and then the AI voice says like unknown or like they're this is what's going on or they're in critical condition and yeah it's It's, so
1: cool it's like you being the AI's intuition finding context with things
0: right and then like you said uh, you know occasionally you actually have to sort of do some lateral thinking. To be like, okay, how would I solve this if I was a computer? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really compelling. Um, But then it's also just wrapped with this crazy fucking story.
1: Yeah. So you're alone on the space station with the medical doctor who I think it's Emma Fisher. Yes. Um, So you and her are working together to get the station back online. Everybody else is gone. You find another person and you end up doing some spacewalk stuff and you realize that there's a second copy of the space station pretty close to yours right so it's it sort of does like um you seen that movie sunshine i think it was aronofsky yeah. it sort yeah. of does this thing where you like spacewalk and jump between space stations mm-hmm. and you quickly realize that it's it's an exact copy but it's
0: sort of suggested that it's a different timeline because like right it's a copy down to having the same people but different people are alive and dead like at this point some of your crew have died <laughs> you know and so you're kind of looking for your crewmates but then you go in there and like you find the character that you've been hanging out with the whole game like dead <laughs> you're just like <laughs> <laughs> oh uh,
1: what? yeah so it turns out you weren't or Fisher wasn't the first person to spacewalk over to the other station. Uh, yeah. Her boyfriend did previously. Right. And the copy, or the, the boyfriend was attacked by the copy of the pilot of the ship. And so he's like bleeding next to his dead copy. <laughs> his own dead copy. Yeah. Which is just such a head fuck. It, so it's, it's super like Sunshine meets Event Horizon.
0: And. This is a that's a really cool moment because so throughout the game, you've been seeing this weird alien presence approaching you.
1: Yes. A floating black hexagon.
0: Right. And whenever it shows up, you have to match its inputs like you basically do like a, Simon uh, Says Simon Says <laughs> mini game. Yeah. Uh, and then when you whenever you do that, it gives you like a command in giant screen-filling text. Like, the first one is bring her. Yeah. Uh, and that's when you end up in the orbit of Saturn. And then uh, there's an, another one later. But anyway, so you've been seeing this, and Fisher is really frustrated with you because you sometimes, like, disobey her or do things she doesn't want or doesn't understand.
1: Yeah. Or you don't authenticate her voice or something.
0: Right. And it's funny because... I think the game, at least to me, was sort of suggesting that maybe you're playing as a bad AI and you don't really get a choice. And I was like, ooh, the twist is that you're the evil AI. Like, ooh. <laughs> but then, like, when that moment happens, you're like, oh, shit. No, I'm not the bad guy. Jim's the bad guy.
1: Fuck you, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, you know, that's the historical connotation, right? With Hal, because you can't escape the 2001 A Space Odyssey. Huge homage here.
0: Yeah, your voice even sounds like Hal.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're always cooperating with Fisher, right. unlike Hal. But you do start disobeying Jim, the the captain of the other ship. After that,
0: you head back to the original station. And he just straight up tries to murder Fisher. Yeah. By, like, leaving her outside with a broken helmet Right, And so once you get back into the ship, it basically turns into this weird cat and mouse game where he's trying to contact Earth and I guess get extracted. This is one thing that kind of boggled my mind. All these people are like trying to do shit. It's like, what the fuck are you trying to do, dude? Like, you're by
1: Saturn. So two big story points happen at this point. Uh, One, when she's stranded outside of the space station, you realize that there's dozens and dozens of observations. Yeah. So like the camera just keeps zooming out and you're, you're just like watching it like slack draw, like, holy fuck. Cause there's like dozens of them. It's, it's really, it's a really cool, like visual
0: for sure. And also you, you realize that from the right angle observation is a hexagon and yeah. you've been seeing this
1: hexagonal presence
0: on the surface of Saturn and it's been yeah. appearing to you and,
1: well, true story, the North Pole of Saturn is a hexagon. That's where they got this uh, idea from. Dude, it's fucking uh-oh. insane, dude. Look it up. It's crazy shit. I yeah. think it's the um, the Cassini probe. It was okay. sent out in the 60s or 70s to only take pictures of like Saturn and its moons. Uh, Cassini right. got photos of the North Pole of Saturn, and it's hexagonal. It's fucking insane, dude. That's nuts. Yeah, like IRL. Insane. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways i guess that's where they got the idea for like the the geometric enhanced life form or whatever but anyways the second big story thing that happens at this point is that you realize that you know me like just like alien or just like 2001 uh, this was the plan all along there were a bunch of like signals from deep space converging at this one point in space and time which was the orbit of saturn and those signals inside them had embedded um fisher's dna yeah
0: an exact match for fisher's dna
1: right so like the whole point was to bring her to that space and time
0: yeah which is nuts like (laughs) that's a crazy fucking plot twist yeah really cool and yeah and the way it's revealed is really cool too because you basically reactivate the other sam the sam on the other space station Mm -hmm. and it like that AI, that's actually a really cool moment where you're talking to another version of yourself. Yeah. So you're using the like send reply interface with the left trigger, but you're just hearing two of the same voice. (laughs) Yeah. it's It's really really yeah yeah, it's really cool and it's really weird and disorienting but it's like oh yeah there's no crew mission it was a mission for the captain jim just to get you guys out here and that was it just see what happened yeah so yeah it's definitely a weyland yutani irresponsible science commerce type
1: (laughs) (laughs) type vibe really cool Um, and so like yeah as all this shit is happening you you start noticing like personality changes in fisher and sam Right. Um, Fisher gets more like serious, like less outspoken and like emotional. Right. And then I think Sam gets more like human.
0: Yeah. There's like certain replies you'll select and he'll say something different. But like the reply prompt is on screen. So you expect him to say that, but he actually says something different. It'll be like something that's actually a conversational reply to Fisher. Yeah. Really cool. It's super cool. And I think, Another thing that, you know, this game has in common with Observer is that idea of telling the game's themes through the sort of incidental world building type elements. Mm-hmm. So that's one that's really cool where like Fisher and Sam both uh, have their personalities changing slowly over the course of the game.
1: Um, yeah. They never like talk about it or mention it.
0: no. But another thing, too, is that a big part of the game is just like about being disoriented and how disorienting the whole <laughs> yeah. like situation is. And so the game keeps putting you in these scenarios where like, well, the, I mean, the
1: whole game is in like zero G. Yeah. And yeah, we should circle back on that because we didn't talk about the environment at all.
0: No, <laughs> uh, it,
1: it's, it's really like, well, I've never been on a space station, but it's very realistic in what you would see in like NASA footage. Super cramped. There is no up. At the beginning of the game, you're you're tethered to all the cameras in each pod of the station. Uh, later you become free flying with uh, drone spheres, which makes right. it even like more disorienting, yeah, because you're basically flying around like six degrees of freedom like descent or something. yeah, every time you bump into something you get like a nice like analog video effect, which is really cool. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And well, anytime you do anything, like, so if you bring up the menu, like not the game menu, but your OS menu, yeah. you technically leave whatever you're in. So the sphere or the camera. Right. And so that pops up. There's a little kind of glitching effect. And then when you go back into the sphere of the camera, there's another like glitching effect. It's a cool reminder that it's like you are this AI, your perspective is shifting. Yeah. Um, A lot of really cool little detail stuff like that.
1: Well, it's definitely set in the future, of course, but it's so 90s in terms of, like, visual noise and color grading and things like that. It has a real 90s feel.
0: Well, and it's cool, too, that it's... Yeah, it's set in the near future, and it's set aboard, like, a low-orbit space station. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, mostly, like, current
1: tech, but... There's no, like laser guns or anything. And even <laughs> right. even the way Sam talks, it's like clearly parsed. It, it sounds less advanced than like Alexa or something, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. And so then like the crazy stuff that happens is all basically supernatural. So it's like yeah, they end up out in Saturn and talking to this weird thing. And it's not because like, you know, mankind space travel capabilities are so... <laughs> You know, advanced that they can go to Saturn. It's like, no, man, they just get thrown there. So, yeah, you're going around this kind of low tech, duct taped together space station because, like, yeah, the shit was just around (laughs) Earth. You know, it's super cool. Uh, But the other thing, too, is that, like, when you start doing the spacewalks, when you go outside, we, we mentioned previously that there are spacewalk sections where either you in your little sphere have to go repair things, or when you and Fisher are trying to jump between the two stations, like, They're super crazy and disorienting. Yeah, very Um, disorienting. Tension's high
1: because the score is really nice.
0: Yeah, and, like, the there's, like, oh, man, the second one that you do when you're coming back from the other space station is so fucking scary and weird, (laughs) you know? It's kind of like there's that crazy scene in uh, that movie Gravity. Yeah. They're, like, in, they're doing a spacewalk, and it's really tense, and it's crazy, and it's just supposed to, like, impart to the viewer like how little sense of orientation you have when you're out there. Yeah. Um, Another thing it reminds me of is the game Prey from 2017 which I'm going to keep fucking talking about until you play it James. (laughs) (laughs) But like first of all that game is basically like a first person shooter version of this game. So you should definitely play it. It's on the (laughs) list. But also that game had really cool spacewalk sections like the highlight Mm. of which was just how disorienting they are. And, like, the space station in that game is enormous, so you're kind of flying around just like, I am so fucking lost. But (laughs) I think that's a really cool element in any game. But in in Observation, it works really well, just kind of making you feel disoriented and lost.
1: Yeah, I felt lost a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely... There were moments where, like, the answer... (laughs) or the the right direction for you to go in is like right by you but i would just end up walking around the whole station lost
1: yeah so the part where you you jump to the other space station you don't have um like since you're not the original sam for that space station you don't have the os so you don't have the map and uh god it's so fucking easy to get lost in the space station And you end up just, like, reading all the walls, like, the little signs on the walls that point in the right direction. You just use deductive reasoning that you know they're, like, numbered sequentially, so, you you know, the exit's got to be in this room. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of, like, just utter confusion in the six degrees of freedom when you don't have your map.
0: Totally. Well, even with the map, though, like, the map is cut up into sections, and it kind of tells you where the bridges are between sections, but it can be a little confusing to get your bearings when you're moving between the different sections of the space station. Yeah. So, yeah. Like towards the, I think at the very last section I got a little bit lost. Um, But it's cool because the game doesn't for a lot of it doesn't gate you off or it doesn't confine you to one space. So you can't actually roam around and get lost. And it definitely adds to the tension and adds to the horror. I mean, A lot of the horror elements of this game are story stuff where it's like it's a thriller. You know, there's Mm -hmm. like a bad guy. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, there's also, you know, there's dark sections that are lit by flashlight. There's parts where you're just lost in a creepy space station. At some point it goes full Silent Hill and the whole place (laughs) is covered in alien goo. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And so it's it's. It's cool. I think that freedom and the sort of uh, anxiety of being able to get lost is a big part of the horror in this game.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's you're the robot. She makes you go first. She, she's yeah. like, I'll hang back. <laughs> go check that out.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. Is it's like you're in charge of the station. Yeah, you're just an AI. So. When you can't get it together, when things are like really falling apart, you're just like, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: It's kind of like job stress or something. Yeah, for sure. Which I thought was really cool and really well done.
1: Yeah, total. Yeah. It keeps going back to that, the task based stuff and it keeps like p- just kind of like pushing the envelope on the task based stuff. Just like the right. same way Stories Untold does. Like where like the, when the text adventure game like breaks out of the game and it's in the house, you know, this game kind of yeah. does the same thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah no i i totally agree
1: when the uh the intelligence tells you to uh big spoiler this is the next part of the story where it, it just says like kill him and <laughs> you have to not be you're like you're like pissed off because he like killed your friend or whatever uh yeah and you're not thinking logically as an ai anymore and you have to you you kill the the guy that's killed everybody else right and he's like begging yeah. you not to. It's like, it's like 2001, a space odyssey reversed when how was begging Dave not to kill him. This is kind of yeah. the reverse. The Jim, the, the pilot was like begging you not to like depressurize <laughs> the room and kill him.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's a good segue into, you know, some of the film inspirations for this game. Yeah. And I guess my one big comment is that I think they're all really well done. Like, it makes you think of a lot of different mm. sci-fi movies, but I never really felt
1: like they were just straight rips. Or anything. I, I feel like the hexagon was a little too obvious. Sure. Um, having it, you know, as the North Pole of Saturn and then having some like visual cues towards it would have worked. But just having like, you know, like the black flying geometric object floating in the middle of space is like. It's just a little too on the nose as an inspiration from 2001.
0: Sure. Although, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought it was cool how they did it in the visual style of their other game. You know, like True. the flashing lights and the way it appears in front of you is, is straight up like the floating orbs from yeah. uh, Stories Untold. Totally. So I thought it was cool where it's like, okay, we're going to reference 2001 pretty heavy, but we're also going to reference our own shit. Like, I thought that was a really cool
1: way to do it. I think I found a boxed copy of Stories Untold in the space station, too. Oh, really? Did you come across it? Yeah.
0: No, I didn't find that. That's awesome. (laughs)
1: It's like tied to the wall in one of the quarters, the sleeping quarters.
0: (laughs) That's super cool. Yeah. Uh, So,
1: you know, 2001, pretty obvious influence. Can't get away from it. Especially with the AI and the the advanced intelligent life form um, yeah. that draws you to somewhere in our solar system for unknown silent reasons and then reveals all this knowledge. Totally. I mean, it's, it's heavy into that. I mean,
0: well, and it's also just there's a big Arthur C. Clarke influence overall. Like yeah. Obviously, he wrote 2001 and...
1: Childhood's End.
0: Yeah, Childhood's End, which is uh, something I talk about way too much, and I probably just need to stop talking about it. But, like, I read it in college, whatever. (laughs) Whatever. I, I mean, it's one of my favorite books. I love it so much. But, like, a big theme in all of these stories, really, like a bunch of stuff that he wrote, is humanity interfacing with, you know, alien life and... Sort of not understanding, but also being drawn towards some sort of like evolution of species, which I mean, we'll get to uh, Yeah, that, that kind of happens later in the story. But yeah, like that's a big theme throughout his stuff. And so when I was playing this and it having this sort of like realistic depiction of being in space mixed with this kind of fantastic idea of aliens being some sort of like God entity that's going to evolve uh, humanity right? Like very, very Arthur C. Clarke
1: Yeah, it's like the old uh, Art historical trope Like the finger of God coming down and touching m- Humanity, you know <laughs> Yeah, exactly yeah.
0: You know, another one that you have on the list here is Solaris Which is absolutely true Yeah um, Which is, we've talked about Solaris a little bit before When we were talking about Silent Hill 2
1: Y'all should go watch it The Tarkovsky one, not the George Clooney one.
0: Oh yeah, I mean that one doesn't count <laughs>
1: I bet more people will have seen the George Clooney one. Yeah. Let's Yaris. be real. <laughs> <Yaris>. <laughs>
0: Jesus. Yeah, no, no, thanks. But yeah, the the basic gist of Solaris is like these space travelers are drawn to a planet and crazy supernatural stuff starts happening. Copies of people from their personal lives start existing. It's this whole psychedelic mind fuck and that's definitely a big influence on on this game
1: yeah i think at the end of the movie he like looks down on the surface of the planet and sees his hometown or something like that yeah yeah R- really cool movie really cool yeah. ideas go see it really cool
0: yeah we already talked a little bit about how sunshine is a big influence yeah on this
1: i don't know how you feel about sunshine but i feel like i like that movie i feel like the first two thirds are great but then it does the dumb thing and then it gets real dumb yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, I think it just gets a little
0: more fantasy. I feel the like
1: end. they just like ran out of like they ran out of budget, and then so they had to like go to some studio, and the studio was like, "All right, we'll give you all the money, but you have to make it real stupid." <laughs> <laughs> and so they like tacked on a real stupid ending.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just a little bit more of like a weird fantasy thing or something, you know?
1: It kind of well. It, I feel like it turned into a slasher movie, you know? Yeah, I feel like it could have been so much more. Yeah, I agree. It's one of those movies where I just feel like so conflicted about. There's very few. Like usually I'll just hate a movie. But I'm just really conflicted about Sunshine. Huh.
0: You know, I mean, I guess I I never really thought about it that much. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. I mean, I guess like I could see sort of not liking it. I mean, like like I said, I, I, I feel like the end of it just fantasy isn't the right word like fantastical and they're sort of like become these kind of crazy heroes and all this shit happens that doesn't really make sense you know like it's hella stupid but i kind of like that because it was like the whole plot of the movie is pretty insane so it's like well where, where were they gonna go with it but unless it was like an ultra downer ending which i didn't really see as being his style
1: mm. you
0: know the director's style mm. or what i was expecting from that movie because like it's the same guy who did 28 days later. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And like for as dark as 28 days later is it's not a downer at all. Um, I don't think like it actually has kind of a hopeful ending where hmm. it's like they escape and it's kind of suggested that the zombies are actually dying off um, and they're not going to be able to just keep going forever. And like, I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't expect like a super dark ending, but I, I could see you being disappointed with it because it, it gets a little like hokey.
1: You know, yeah, it's hokey AF.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that's what I meant when I said it gets almost like fantasy. It's not like unicorns start happening, yeah. but like unicorn type plot points start. Uh, happening. I
1: feel like it does a similar thing as Event Horizon because Event Horizon gets real goofy, too. So,
0: it, well, maybe that's why I was like, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I love Event Horizon, but yeah.
1: Yeah. I would have loved to see the unrated version of Event Horizon, but the studio lost all the footage. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's one of those things, like Blue Velvet.
0: One of them things. Very sad. Uh, um, another movie you have on here is Moon, but I actually haven't seen that. I've been meaning to watch it for years, and I haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah, it's that. all right.
1: But uh, the the vibes I got from Observation and Moon were they shared the idea of um, one man in solitude with just his AI to keep him company. So in right. the movie, it's Sam Rockwell, and um, the AI is Kevin Spacey. Okay, and they just sort of have a relationship that reminded me of like Dr. Fisher and Sam.
0: Yeah well, and it's cool. that's actually an interesting comparison because I mean, I haven't seen the movie. I'm sure it's great, but like <laughs> it's tight <a> <laughs> it's tight. it's worth the while like, yeah, I thought what was cool in this game is that it, they do have that kind of relationship, but it feels really visceral because you're playing as the AI. Yeah. And it's unexpected because you don't expect to play as the AI. And even at times I caught myself, we even throughout this conversation, we've been referring occasionally to Fisher as you Me. and then yeah. having to stop ourselves totally. because you identify with the human character, but you're yeah. not actually the human. And so there's, there's a really cool thing that happens. I noticed it by the end of the game. I was like really attached to Fisher. I was like, Fisher's like my science mom. Yeah. And like I need to save science mom. Well, she's also kind and, of Bay
1: too. So I mean Yeah Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. And so it's it's funny how like you develop that relationship and it's it's unexpected and surprising and it's really refreshing. Which yeah. is kind of how I would describe the whole game. Yeah. I want to play through it again. Totally. I mean, yeah. You you already did, but <laughs> <laughs> whoops. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um
1: so Let's talk about the ending a bit. Um, after Sam kills the the captain of the ship, Fisher and Sam decide to go to the surface of Saturn, which I think in real life would be instant death.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> but not an observation. Um, so you crash a pod onto the surface of Saturn. You wake up and uh, you're in the sphere, but since it's not zero gravity more, anymore, you don't work so fisher's just carrying you along and so you're going through like um like kind of like a dusty mountainous sort of area and you notice that there's you know copies of your pod crashed all around and then right. you'll you'll notice that there are other astronauts and they end up being all like dead copies of fisher <laughs> everywhere
0: right and crashed space stations
1: yeah yeah
0: it's such a cool landscape because it's like, it looks like a desert and it's like really barren, but then there's just space station wreckage everywhere and dead fishers everywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. But in, it, it, it didn't hit me as like super scary. Yeah. But it, yeah. It, it, it felt like you're like, even like the score was not like super scary. It was more like uh, you're like reaching the pinnacle of something. Right. Yeah.
0: It's just very unreal.
1: Yeah. And then so you uh, get to this point where there's I think there's like a whole bunch of hexagons. But then you like you go up to like daddy hexagon and daddy (laughs) hexagon accepts you and then like Fisher flies into the air.
0: There's a cool moment. I don't know if you caught that. Like, so you have to do another uh, Simon Says minigame, like one last one. <laughs> <laughs> and while you're doing it, whenever you do it correctly, there's a green light just like a rare time. But you can see there's like humanoid figures standing yes. around on the ground. I was like, what the hell? I think that was the other Fishers or something. I don't know. I, yeah, I wasn't sure if it was that or or maybe some sort of. Life form, I don't know. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's just a, another cool detail in a game full of them.
1: Yeah, and the more you get it right, the more people pop up in the. You kind of it's kind of like a lightning silhouette or something like that.
0: Yeah, super totally. cool detail.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: but I love that.
1: Turns out, like I, I think it does a classic cinema fade to white, and you wake up on Earth, and you look down, and you're like in your spacesuit. So you're Fisher and Sam at the same time and I guess they've melded together into a consciousness
0: their voices speak simultaneously oh
1: yeah that was a cool touch
0: yeah and then so it's it's a it's an open ending doesn't you know really tell you what's going to happen but I think the insinuation was that there's some sort of enlightened new strain of human and they've been sent back to earth and then it just says that you know bring them yeah, so they're going to sort of be a tool to evolve the rest of humanity, which is so Arthur
1: C. Clarke. Yeah, it's totally the Space Baby from the end of 2001 for sure.
0: Right, it's like a mix, a mashup of 2001 and Childhood's End. Yeah. Uh, so where it's like there's now this kind of weird savior figure who's supposed to evolve humanity, but it's also like very morally gray. Like you, you really have no. You've got no inclination as to whether this alien life force is good or bad or neutral or anything.
1: Yeah, well, you do get some foreboding stuff because the um, the Silent Hill goo shows back up, right? Yeah. So yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. You touch a tree and it
1: gets covered in the Silent Hill goo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess, I guess we could talk about that. Like, what the fuck is the Silent Hill goo? Is that the, like, intelligence propagating through the machinery or something? and then so when you touch another living thing like the tree like you're like passing that on to the everything else yeah is it the suspension fluid from fucking (laughs) soma?
0: yeah probably it shows up early in the game because you're inspecting you're out spacewalking inspecting the damage to the space station after you warp to saturn and like you see that some of the outside of it is covered in that stuff yeah and then comes back later in the game when the whole space station gets covered in it and then yeah at the end it comes to earth so yeah, it's definitely tied to this intelligent mysterious alien life force but it's unclear yeah you could say we'll just never know the secret of the (laughs) (laughs) ooze
1: not until part 2 comes up yeah observation two, (laughs) observe harder wow they need to work on these titles. I almost like that one better than the real one. Yeah. Observation is a little dry. Uh, Lacey just finished playing A Plague Tale Innocence. Oh, yeah. Which is the yeah. worst fucking title for a game ever.
0: Yeah, it's one of those titles where you say it out loud and you're like, where is the semicolon in
1: there? Yeah. Or Hellblade Sinuous Sacrifice. <laughs> what an awful fucking name for a game. Just like Ask me. Hit me up on Facebook. Like, <laughs> I'll give you a good name for your game. Yeah, Necrolaser. That was a good one. <laughs> Jimmy and the Necrolasers.
0: Uh, Necrolaser definitely would have been a better title for Layers of Fear 2.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Necrolaser 1. <laughs> no, nah, we would fuck up the numbering like because of classic horror. You know, like Zombie slash Dawn of the Dead, that whole series. How they fucked yeah. up the numbering in the UK. It yeah, would actually yeah. be, like, Layers of Fear 4 or Necro Laser 3.
0: Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> God. Yeah. I didn't... Um, I was reading about that the other day, how, like, the Deception series... Oh, cause yeah. Because there's, like... I mean, Tecmo's Deception is yeah. a hilariously bad name for a game, but then apparently it's a whole series of, like, wacky titles, so it's, like, Deception 2, this 1, and then this 2, Deception <laughs> 3. Yeah. But then, of course, they changed one of them to be called Trapped, a.k.a. the Headstrong Band. <laughs> 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 with the same misspelling and everything.
1: Oh, you're kidding. Wow.
0: Yeah, so fun.
1: I hope they did the uh, theme song.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think it was just a missed uh, synergistic opportunity.
1: Yeah. Sega fucked up the Wonder Boy series, too, with the numbering.
0: Oh, yeah. Wonder Boy 3. Or Monster yeah.
1: World 4, Wonder Boy 3.
0: Yeah. Uh, I that, even I love that shit.
1: My Wonder Boy 2 cartridge on the on the case it says Wonder Boy 2 and then uh-huh. on the cart it says Super Wonder Boy Super Monster World. Like, <laughs> How could you fuck this up so bad?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's incredible though. It's like once in a lifetime, you know. Love it. Love
1: it. Yeah. Anyways, any uh parting thoughts on observation?
0: Play that shit, dude. It's like should have.
1: It's self-contained, short to the point. You could devour yeah. it in one or two sittings, which I probably recommend.
0: Yeah, I played it in two sittings.
1: Yeah, it it flies by. It's really, really good. It really does. It's shorter than you think. Um, yeah, never. It doesn't overstay its welcome at all. Yeah, for sure. And I think these games are also a pretty good double feature. Totally, but you take your time with Observer instead, though.
0: Oh yeah, that's how I played them I had like a longer playthrough of Observer And then I wasn't really playing anything else So I just jumped in the Observation And then yeah, I just did
1: it in two really fast sittings Yeah, for sure Do it, do, do it. it Get over here and do it <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I love it Go home play uh, video games Go home, don't talk to anybody, just go
0: Speaking of playing video games, should we say What's next?
1: Zero Brightness Game Club what's up haters join Um, us join us join us (laughs) yeah we'll swallow your soul (laughs) Um,
0: one of us (laughs) one of us
1: so uh, those are all quotes from the game blood yes Uh, I've played the shit out of blood I've probably put 10 or 11 hours into it we're probably gonna do a double feature of blood and dusk so a 90s game and a modern game Yes. we're going through those now also on our plate you know we had to do it uh silent hill 3 yes and then i guess that's it for now we're cooking up some more stuff for the future so just yeah. stay tuned for other episodes i think we might yeah. do a 2.5d episode coming up so you, you can yes. probably speculate on what those games are going to be
0: that's going to be awesome
1: yeah but Yeah. on the docket it's
0: blood and dusk our first person shooter bonanza episode yeah. um but before that, Silent Hill 3. That one you should definitely play before listening because it's, it's a surprising... There's some hot takes in there. I think it's a surprising <laughs> yeah. episode.
1: And we do not agree on it. So we want to... No. We definitely want to, you know, start some dialogue. I think some of the most fun I have doing the podcast is just arguing with people on Reddit. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> yeah, in a this- nice way. Like, don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, talking to people on Reddit and Facebook... About the stuff is a lot of fun. So. Yeah. Start some dialogue. And uh, I guess that's it for this episode.
0: Hell yeah, brother. See Mm -hmm. you in hell.